Let there be light. <laughs> and there was. <laughs> Which is almost ironic because it's part of the word this morning. Now, you may not have noticed that it's not Neil here because we're practically twins. But nevertheless, here am I and here is he not. But I'm the lucky one because this morning I have the children here. And because the children are here, it means that I have to bring a word that both the children and the adults can understand. And in reality, some of it is fairly difficult. So if the parents have a problem, ask the children to explain it when they get home. And then you'll probably all understand what I'm talking about. Now, I want to be a little bit proactive here. Could all the children please, please, please come out to the front? And children can be as old as you like. If you really feel young, I would like the 60-year-olds to come out. Or below, if you're under 60, you can also come out. I really do need people here. Or otherwise, the word's finished and you can go home. Oh, there's one, two, three, four, five. There's some very shy adults out there, though. Very. How many have we got? And how old are they? If there are any parents that would like to bring their little children forward, if they're too shy, it looks like they've all come. I can't be as scary as my wife tells me I am. <laughs> anyway, what I want to tell you is that a month ago I was in Papua New Guinea and I was talking to a group of people in the church, about 800 of them. And I said to them, now time got he talk, dispel us something he good. More better you throw my hand belong you now cry. Amen. Amen. That's it. Now, when I say God said it is good, can you say amen? God said it is good. Good. I think the children were nearly as loud as the adults. Let's try it again. God said it is good. Thank you, I like it, but I didn't see too many hands going. God said, it is good. Amen. Right, now you've got the mood. I want you to have the words and the actions. There will be more actions for the people up the front here. There need to be. As I said, this is a basic message and hopefully the children will get something from it. And as I said, they can tell their parents what it's about later. And we'll start, oh actually I did ask if there were a couple of children that could do some readings for me. Oh, this is good. This is good. Who would like to read for me Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 and 2? You'll all get a chance. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form, and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. I didn't hear anything about it, it was good, but it will come, it will come. <laughs> okay, now children, 
what this is saying is there was really nothing and God created the heavens and the earth, but the earth wasn't like we know it. There were no mountains, there was nothing, just a watery mass. And what did God do? It says... Wrong version. I've got four versions here. (laughs) And darkness is upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So there was water there. And God's Spirit just moved around on the water. Just moved around. And this was at the very beginning when there was nothing else. That was all there was. And the scientists will tell you, of course, there must have been a gas They know it's impossible for anything to exist. And we know it's impossible for anything to exist, but we do. It's impossible, but we do. So something had to begin all of this. And God moved upon the waters. Can you just show me God moving across the waters? That's all right. That's all right. He just moves across the waters. Then God said, let there be light, because there was no light. Everything was dark. And light appeared. It just came. Yeah, let there be light. It came. So it was only because God said this, let there be light. Nothing else. The word of God created it. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. Amen. Amen. Now, why was light good? Why would light be good? Well, you couldn't see anything if there was no light, could you? So we need some light. Okay. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light, what would he call the light? Yeah. And the darkness he called? Well, I can see the kids are a lot smarter than the parents here. <laughs> Obviously, when mum and dad say good night, they mean it's time to go to sleep and it's dark. And the evening... And the morning were the first day. So on the first day, God created the heavens and the earth, not as we know them, and he created darkness and he created light. Right, who's ready for another reading here? Verses 6 to 8. And God said, let there be a fire firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And the gods and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament for the from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. Thank you. I couldn't get volunteers before, but I've got the volunteers now. Isn't it excellent? So on the second day, God created the firmament. Now, that's not, again, the earth as we know it. The firmament was the solid area under the waters. We still didn't have any land. So on the second day, God created the firmament under the water 
and he created the heaven above it. And heavens above it were not the sun and the moon and the stars. The heavens were God's home. That was the place where God dwelt, the place where God looked down on this earth and he said, oh, this is the second day. That's pretty good. Oh, you missed it. He said, it is good. Amen. Amen. So that's the way we're going on day one. We had the light and the night and the day. We had the earth with the waters over it. The second day, we had the firmament established under it and we had the heavens. So on verses 9 and 10, who's my next volunteer? Good. Verses 9 and 10 there. And God said, Let the waters under heaven be gathered together in one place. Let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and gathering and and the gathering of the waters called the seas, and God saw that it was good. Amen. Amen. Okay, now what I want to know, everything was flat. What did it look like? Can you be mountains? We just had water, and the mountains come up. Can you come up? Can you come up? Up, 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 up. That's it, the mountains came up out of the water. So what happened to the water? It had to go back and make the oceans. And that was what God did. And what else did he do on that day, do we know? He made the land. Somebody better read it. Verses 11 and 12. You want another go, do you, right? And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit, after his kind whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. (laughs) And the earth has brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself. After his kind, and God saw that it was good. Amen. Thank you. I think the adults are failing a bit here, aren't they, kids? I think you're much better than they are. But there we have the ocean and the land on day three. But no, that wasn't enough for God. He was looking down and he was saying, I'm creating something here, I'm working, I'm doing good things. How about... Plants on the same day. How about herbs? People have herb gardens. How about grasses? Well, cows eat grasses because there weren't any cows. And the trees. All to be after their own kind. In other words, if I plant an apple pip, in theory I'll get an apple tree. In theory, if I planted grass seed... I'll get grass come up. Does that happen? If you plant a bit of wheat, what comes up? 
Yeah, that's right. Wheat is a grass, so you're right. So it comes after its own kind. We get exactly what was put in there. And the next reading is verses 14 to 18. If we don't, oh yes, we've got another one. 14 to 18. Now this is a long one. I, I hope we don't start running over time now. One minute we'll go here first, then we'll come to you next. Over here. And God said, let there be lights in the firmament and the heaven to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for the seasons and for days and years. And let them be for light in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so ruled the day and the lesser light ruled the night. He made the stars also. And God sent them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. Isn't it great that everything that God was doing and everything he saw when he'd done it, he looked at it and he said it was good. (laughs) <laughs> oh, people are slipping here. Right. So on the fourth day, God made the sun, the moon and the stars. <laughs> Taking him away. Anyway, God made the sun, the moon and the stars on the fourth day. These are the ways that the creation of this earth and this universe Proceeded. This is the way that God planned that things should be. We have somebody here who wanted to read verses 20 and 21. We might have to go over the page halfway through this reading. It's very hard to find my way through here sometimes. Start down here. And God said, let the waters bring from abundantly. Bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may, may fly above the earth in the open ferment of heaven. And God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And then he put the man whom had formed. Thank you. So there we have, on this day, God decided it was time to create the fish. Can you be fish? What does the fish do? What does the fish do? Like that? Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) And I suppose what it really says is he also created whales. Now, whales aren't really fish, but that's fine. They live in the water. And he also created birds on that day. And that was the fifth day. Did he create crocodiles on that day? Yep, nope, yep, nope. Do crocodiles live 
in the water or on the ground? Okay, we'll throw that one up. Who knows? Who knows? They're not, they're not mentioned specifically, okay? But there were all the creeping things to be created. There were all the animals to be created. And so in verses 24 and 25... It says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing, and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and came after their kind. And everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Can you just be... Kids, you missed it. The adults got it. And God said it was good. Can you be caterpillars? What's a caterpillar do? One caterpillar, two, almost. How many caterpillars? You big kids, be caterpillars. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. And that was day five. And God created, sorry, day six. God created the creeping things, the animals and all of that. And do you know, God wasn't happy with that. He wanted to do more. He wanted to do more. What else would he do? Make us, make man. That's right. And so in verses 26 to 28, I don't know why this keeps slipping over. Probably because of the wind that God made. And God said, let us make man in our image. The same image as God, so that man's like God. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. That means to actually boss the fish of the sea, but it doesn't mean to bully them. It just means that you are in fact their boss to look after them. And over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he he, him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. That means have kids so that there's more kids to go on and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So God created man as well. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. So everything God gave us was for us to eat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Very, very good. 
Yeah, very, very good. And that was... <laughs> and, and that was day six. What did he do on day seven? He rested. Now, why did he rest? Well, that's possible because Jesus didn't get tired. God didn't get... Well, maybe Jesus did, but I don't know whether God really did get tired. But anyway, he decided that on the seventh day was a day of rest. But it wasn't just a day of rest. What else was it? Worship. Worship, that's right. Actually, what? The Saturday, well, <laughs> let's not get into semantics here, child. <laughs> I'll ask you whether a day is 24 hours or not then. <laughs> However, the seventh day, whether it was a Saturday or a Sunday, and I'm not sure that the days of the week really had names at this time. <laughs> However, on the seventh day, God rested. And what did he say about it? He said, God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. And he wants us to do exactly the same. Now I know that modern society doesn't quite work that way. But really what we need to do is look at a day where we need to worship God. And is that the reason we're here? To think about God and say, God, we really do appreciate everything you've done for us? Hello. <laughs> for most people, yes. Most people. Yeah, for most people. We'd like to think it was most people. Do you know, I'll hark back to Port Moresby. When I went to this church and there were 800 people and they made a bit more noise actually than you mob making, I don't know why, I'm a bit disappointed on that, but there were 800 people there. When I was going to that church, we probably passed another two or 300,000 people in the streets and they weren't going to church. That's a bit sad. Because 20 years ago, 80% of Papua New Guineans went to church. Today it's said to be 20%. In 20 years, they've lost 60%. I don't know what the figures are for Australia at the moment. They're pretty low, aren't they? But we're here. And the idea really should be that we're going to encourage others to come along. And you children have lots of friends that really don't know Jesus. You adults have lots of friends that really don't know Jesus. Now, I'm not suggesting that you go out and throw a Bible at them and say, read that, mate, because they still won't know Jesus. Well, maybe one or two will. But what I am suggesting, of course, is that you do go out and you talk to people and let them know that, indeed, the Bible is true. And that was really a diversion because what happened from the Garden of Eden where God created men was that man sinned. Man ate of the tree of knowledge and probably we're not talking so much to the children right now. But everybody knows that 
man did sin and fell away from God. And the answer in the Old Testament to that was that man should make sacrifices. And the sacrifices should be the blood of doves and of lambs and of bulls and of goats and that they should be burnt upon the altar. And this would appease God for man doing the wrong thing, providing, of course, that man said, I'm sorry, I've done this, God, and I want to kill this animal and burn it for you. And it even says in the Old Testament that the smoke from the altar was a sweet-smelling savour in God's nostrils. So we won't dispute that, in fact, God said, you shall make a burnt offering unto me. The problem was that this was something that went on and on and on and many, many animals were sacrificed. And then again the next week, they needed to be sacrificed again and again and again. And God said, the way to cure this ongoing situation is to have one sacrifice. One sacrifice. And that sacrifice was Jesus, wasn't it? He was God's son and he came to earth. Now, I don't like the idea of sacrifice at all. But Jesus was sacrificed. He was killed for us. He was killed for every child. He was killed for every man and every woman. He was even killed for the grandparents. Because God said, I want man and woman to turn back to me. I want man and woman to love me because I have never stopped loving them. I always want them to be my children. If we read the Gospels, we see the story of Jesus Christ. We see the man that altered the world. We see the story of the miracles he performed. And we see the stories of his trial. We know that he was nailed to a cross. We know that he bled. We know that he had nerves. He was a human being as well as being God. We know that he suffered for us. And are we prepared to say, gee, that was great, wasn't it? That was like the horror movie I watched last night. Are we prepared to take this into our hearts and say, I know this man really did die for me. 2,000 years ago, this man died for me. 2,000 years ago. How could it extend that far? It can extend that far because God is timeless. As I alluded to before, a day is as a thousand years to God, a thousand years is as a day to God. Time is totally irrelevant to God. He started time, he'll finish time. And the good part about it is because he said, I don't want you to sacrifice bulls and doves and goats and cattle anymore. I want to give you my son as an intermediary. He is going to be the sacrifice made for you upon the cross. By having him nailed up there and bleeding and dying and rising again, if you believe, three words, if you believe, you will be saved. And if you are saved, you will have eternal life. 
and time will mean nothing to you either, your body will rot away. It will go. But your spirit will live forever. A little bit like the spirit of God moving over the waters. Forever and ever. It will be there. Is it worth sacrificing that eternal life for some pleasures on earth at this stage? Obviously not. Obviously not. And it is hard to turn away from the good things we see around us. As we go through life, and particularly after we leave our teens, we can look back and say, those things weren't good. When we're in our teens, it's easy to say those things are good. Grandparents here, and I see there are a few, it's great. Grandparents here will be able to look back and think, as Sue said before, things were easier in our day. We didn't have a lot of the distractions that children have got these days. Now the, the, the distractions are there. Whose job is it to make sure that they don't distract the young ones? Do we just say they're rotten kids, they shouldn't do that? Or do we encourage these children? Do we actually tell them why, not just say, no, don't do it? Do we point to the gospel and say, Jesus Christ said that the things that are done by man will live after him? In other words, if you do bad things now, somebody will be affected by it. Because you do it now, it doesn't just end. And the same goes for adults. Your relationships in life, the love that you show to others is an eternally important thing. We must show love. It's the most important of all the commandments, that you love one another. Can you look around this room and genuinely say, I love all those people? Yeah, of course you can. I know you can. Kids, can you look around this room and say you love everybody here? Good. I want to hear that. I want to hear that. And you don't just say it. You tell them. You say, I love you, brother. Now, that's not the same as saying you want to marry somebody. That's the same as saying, I really care for you. I want to know that my relationship with you is sound and our relationship because we're Christians together, we'll be able to stand up to any test that's put on on it, that we can help each other always. We'll be there for each other when we're needed. We won't see somebody beside the road with a flat tyre and look the other way as we drive past. We won't see somebody with the bonnet up and say, oh, he's got a problem. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about some people that you might see beside the road they might have a rifle on the bonnet at the same time. I'm talking about your brothers and your sisters. But also, we need to help the stranger. And we're told about that in the Good Samaritan, that you don't just go by and leave people in trouble. You help people. I think that what I've been trying to get over to you today is that God did create everything and that God did create all men and he made them all equal and that it is up to us to keep them equal. We are not to be above all other men. And God is satisfied when he sees us showing love to everybody else. He is satisfied when he sees that our relationships are sound. 
The important thing is that we remember that Jesus Christ did die for us on the cross. The important thing is that we say, if you believe. It is not just a matter of saying, historically I believe somebody died on the cross. You must say, I believe Jesus Christ was the Son of God. I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus Christ lives today. I believe that when my mortal body goes, I too will live forever with Jesus Christ and God. Pretty good thought, a lot of hard work. Did hard work ever hurt anybody? Apart from all the ones here that will tell you they've got a crook back or something. Did hard work ever hurt anybody? And this is hard work of the mind. To actually get into your mind what the scriptures say and to be able to repeat them to other people, not ad nauseum, not ad finitum, but as required. To show that you really are a Christian. Really are. And unfortunately the Christian church comes under a lot of attack these days and some of it well deserved. And it's up to us to show that there is a difference. There are Christians who genuinely hold the values of Christianity, who genuinely want to love their neighbour as themselves. Thank you, children. You're allowed to go back to mum and dad now. You can explain to them what's happened, I hope. And I look forward to having another opportunity to expound more to you. Tassel, buy me talk long pigeon tassel. Me not like talk long English. Like it? <laughs> and it really is good to be able to talk to people and know that somebody somewhere is receiving something. There might be, I don't know, maybe 100 people here today. If one person has got anything today, I don't care if it's an 18-month child. If one person here has received something, this has all been worthwhile. If it's helped a parent relate to a child, it's all been worthwhile. And no, nobody ever enjoys standing up before people and speaking, I know that. But it's not too bad, really it's not. So if anybody really thinks that they've got something that they would like to put forward, go and see Pastor Neil because we're like twins and I'll tell him that I said that. And maybe he'll give you a little time slot somewhere, two, three minutes, five minutes, whatever. Because everybody in this congregation has something to give. If you are coming here and sitting on that seat and thinking, I have nothing to give, you're wrong. You've just failed another exam. Say, yeah, I've got something. It's only going to take me half a minute, Pastor. Can I tell the people? Can I tell them this little aspect of my life that really is a shining light in the community? Something I've done or just something that happened to me? Something I've received, a gift from God? Come on, don't be shy about it. Go and see Neil. Go and see Neil. I'm telling Ron sent them. Okay?